Well, hi, Nikolai. Welcome. Um, I just wanted to introduce you to the Evoke community and ask you some questions about your training this season. Uh, Nikolai is a free skier from Scandinavia. He lives mostly in Norway, but travels all over the Alps uh, for skiing in the wintertime. So welcome, Nikolai. Thank you. Hi. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about your start to the winter season? What have you been mostly up to? Um, yeah, so I generally start my winter season in the north of Norway, uh, where we don't really have any resorts that open early. So at the start, it's uh, just ski touring. And um, and this year was kind of special because we had normally the ski touring is just up in the high alpine. So we have to go up to these glacier plateaus. So you're boot pack in on like dry ground for like 800 meters. Um, but now we could start off pretty much at sea level from October. So I was just doing these like, yeah, mellower mountains, which was kind of nice actually, to not start off in the NAR. And then from December, uh, I've been down in the Alps because they have amazing infrastructure and sunshine, which we don't have any of up in Northern Norway this time of year. So um, no, it's been, an, and it's been an amazing start to the season because there's been so much snow. They had like three times, uh, as much as they normally do above 2000 meters um, and then you have the lifts obviously so you get up there efficiently and then you can get to it yeah sounds sounds fun and for most of the viewers or the listeners Nikolai if you're not familiar does more free skiing style skiing so jumps and big lines kuar skiing than uh, maybe uphill uh, endurance skiing although I have to say he's quite a beast on the uphill too so uh, and we're continuing to work on that <laughs> yeah um, I started working with Nikolai uh, in the late summer and uh, as part of the pre-training or pre-season training we did quite a bit of strength workout so we did a bit of muscular endurance and gym strength. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with muscular endurance? Have Have you done that type of workout before? And uh, maybe how you felt when you started back to skiing? Um, yeah, I haven't really done any muscular endurance before. Uh, that was new to me. Um, but uh, no, it felt good. I mean, I felt strong like immediately when i got on snow um and yeah i felt like i could ski yeah ski no problem um so yeah no it was, it's good i feel like it's a pretty specific workout that works out the the things you you want to work out to yeah be a good skier <laughs> so so it's good and i mean it was uh like and it was also interesting like it was a big good like mental exercise like especially out of the mountains doing the muscular endurance, like carrying water and rocks and all these things up the mountain. You feel like Sisyphus, you know? But um, uh, that was fun too. And I think like one of the biggest takeaways for me actually with this training is like being, getting out there kind of no matter what the weather has been and all this, like the gym has been one thing, but just training more consistently has been really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I'm familiar with that you're a skier you use black crow skis mostly um but i really encouraged you this season to run two setups so a light setup and then you know your sending setup have you found was it what has been your experience lightening your skis for some of the more 
meters focused days or the endurance days. Can you speak to how your legs feel and if you think that what you think of that training? Um, yeah, I mean, with the lighter setups, yeah, so normally I've been running like um, a two kilo ski, the Draco Freebird from Black Rose, which is, like, I mean, it's not the heaviest touring uh, free ride ski for sure, but it's still pretty heavy ski. And then like bindings, 400 grams, 80K and some boots, like around 1500 grams. Um, and now I've got a setup where, um, where I, I mean, I think it's at least half of it, like skis at one kilo, bindings at 100 grams, boots below a kilo. Um, so it was, uh, definitely like a lot of load taken off my, uh, my legs. And I mean, you definitely feel that on the way up, like it feels way easier. Honestly, it felt more like kind of like cross country skiing in a way where you're just, you're not really thinking about the gear you're carrying. Um, that being said, like even on long days, like I feel like more after than like during the exercise. Cause like during, I'm even like on normal touring days, I'm not really like conscious of my gear being too heavy. Cause I'm just kind of going at a slow pace, but more like, yeah, like after I feel like I recover faster and I don't feel, um, I don't feel it as much in my legs as I have on like, uh, the bigger gear. And it's just also like a mental thing. Like I've been in the Alps now and doing, yeah, like big meters days going from just up the resort basically, which is something I've never done before, but it doesn't it feels like an easy thing to do mentally because you know the gear is so light. You're just going for a walk, basically. And you'd be like, okay, I know I can go at this pace. Feels like forever. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you just go out and do it. So it's felt good. And honestly, it's also pretty fun to ski on those things. Like they're, um, it's more demanding. So even if you're not skiing too steep or things like this, it's like you really have to focus. And uh, yeah, it's been not too bad, actually. Yeah. So Nikolai, what was the, what's, you mentioned it, but again, what ski do you ski for your big ski? What is it called? The Black Crow? Uh, Black Crow's Draco Freebird. So it's like the okay. first touring ski we made there. I used to be on like a two and a half kilo ski almost. And then yeah. we like tripped it down a bit. So it's a bit lighter. I uh, do sacrifice some dampness and some durability. Like it's a bit like thinner, everything, but, um, but yeah, it's a ski that I can send all the things okay. I want to send. Like my ambition as a skier is to ski uh, free ride lines that I tore up as if I was dropped by a helicopter, you know? Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and that's like the kind of gear that I yeah need to do that. Like I don't want to make any compromises on how it skis. Yeah, for sure. And then what would be your lighter ski? So that's your your sending ski. What? Yeah, uh, that's your my sending ski. And now the training one is the Mentis, it's called. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, so the the theory behind this is, and as we've talked about this, is to reduce some of the muscular load so that you can focus more on aerobic base building occasionally. This is especially good in the early season, um, just putting in mileage for fitness. And, you know, by no means would I ever suggest that you use super, super light skis to send a cliff or something, but um it has its place in training and i think like you said with your goal to ski human powered uh it just helps with the fitness aspect uh kind of on days <clears throat> that your legs are a bit tired or we want to just focus on aerobic work so i think um it might be a bit of a shift for some pure free skiers to kind of think this way but um i think it has its place for sure mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I could go on about that for days, but I feel like most free ride skiers are just hung up in 
you know, cast touring things and like heavy boots and all that. But in my experience, like I ski 400, or like they're not even 400 grams, below 400 grams, ATK pin bindings. And I can jump like, as it's never been the binding holding me back. And same like with the boots and everything. Like I think a lot of people think they need, I think, yeah, I meet a lot of, I meet people who ski like, uh, you know, like cast touring setup, which is like the Pivot 18 is super heavy, all metal binding. It's like, four times as heavy as what I ski, I think. And they have it at like DIN 8. And I'm like, if you're skiing a thing on DIN 8, you don't need that. You know what I mean? Like you can you can totally ski whatever you're skiing on a pin binding and it'll work. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like a an, an advocate for that. And like we talked about with just with the, yeah, like muscular endurance and the load you put on your on your body. Like if you do a few big touring days, you like you feel the weight of your uh, setup so easily. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. Mm -hmm. It yeah, matters. It does. Yeah. You mentioned something there about um, you made a shift in kind of your thinking in your career. And you've talked to me at length about this, but for everybody else, um, not using helicopters and, and kind of your vocal stance on global warming and trying to change the landscape of free skiers and how they move in the mountains. Maybe you can talk a bit about that. Um, yeah, uh, I think like, I mean, there's a few angles on this, like for starters, you know, we're skiers. The one thing that I depend on to do my job is snow. And so I felt, you know, the old way or like the traditional way, the mo way most free ride skiers still do it, you know, fly all over the world. Like half the pro skier population of the world is in Japan right now. Uh, and then they move on to the next stop and next stop, next stop. And they're just, the emissions are huge. Like my emissions Back in the day, like five years ago, before I tried to do something about it, I think it was like five or six times the average of like a normal Norwegian. And um, and that, which is again, like three times the average of a normal citizen of the world. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's huge. Like you just have this huge carbon footprint. And I thought, and then it, I would justify it by like, I'm just doing my job and that's what a lot of people do. But then again how important is that job you're just skiing it's just for fun the only reason to ski is because it's fun like we're not we're not making a difference like in any other way besides bringing some joy to the world and so i was like okay i'm sure i could I, I wanted to see if it was possible to do this while also lowering my emissions and so like the past five five almost six years i guess now i've been trying to um trying to do that so mostly just like not flying but also not using snowmobiles helicopters all these things to move about the mountain and get to my lines and um yeah, it's in it's a process and uh, it makes it a lot slower and it puts more demand on your body for sure and your fitness uh, but it's also been really good it's a different way of approaching the mountain and I like it. I like the pace and I like the reward. You know, you, you build up to something and you work for it and you really get to feel out the snow for good and for bad on your way up. And then, um, yeah, it's, and it seems to be working. Hey, my uh, YouTube channel just keeps growing and people are into it. And uh, honestly, my career has never been going better. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think like my message to other pro skiers is like, you might think you need to go on that Alaska heli trip, but you actually don't like you just need to go out into the mountain and push yourself and have good experiences and then share that with the world and that's mm -hmm. what's interesting it doesn't matter if you're yeah flying or hiking mm -hmm. yeah for sure 
the the bit I've gotten to know you over the last kind of six months as your coach, I can certainly vouch for your authenticity with this. Like Nikolai works extremely hard at training and with his job. So um, you're not just uh, behind the movies. There's quite a professional there. So kudos to you for, um, you know, living what you kind of, you say, which I think is, uh, is huge in this industry. So good for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, good. Um, uh, the other question I had as well is with your big days. So Nikolai does, you know, 2000 meter days kind of regularly with his ski projects. What are some recovery tools that you've found, um, between your your big filming days what are some of your go-to's oh um other than beer books are great <laughs> <laughs> books are good uh i got like a massage gun for the first time last season i was on a trip with some frenchman who had one and that was amazing um but uh, to be completely honest i'm kind of bad at recovery i have so much uh, there's like i run the production company that makes the movies um there's just always a lot going on. And I feel like actually like my biggest struggle is actually getting the downtime to properly recover. Like we're talking right now, I'm sick now because I've just been pushing through a bunch of things for like a month. And yeah, I kind of just, I kind of feel like I, I push it to like the breaking point, it breaks. And then I have to like lay flat for a few days and then I can get back to it, which I don't think is the way to do it. So honestly, I wouldn't say I have a great recovery toolkit right now. And I'm trying to work on that and get better at it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Before this conversation, Nikolai and I were talking, the coach athlete, and I was saying to him, even though he's not a racer, this is his uh, competition season. So if you're a skier, uh, this is your season on season. And it's really, really hard to balance, you know, competition days or racing with recovery. And so I, I think that's the comment I leave most on his trading peaks is take a rest day. Uh, it is different when it's your career like Nikolai's, but uh, for the Evoke listeners, I think we were just saying if you're doing two to three big days in a row, uh, you really, really need to uh, put a rest day in there. You're, you can't stack five, six, seven days week in, week out and expect your body to perform. Uh, so that's just kind of a reminder that you're not a machine, um, <laughs> even though we like to be. But yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. We were also talking some tips of uh, hydrating from the moment you're done touring at the end of the day to when you start again is your recovery window. So sleep and water, uh, stretching and light cardio, like walking is good. So yeah. We're all a work in progress, but um, we're looking forward to this fitness paying off for you towards the spring. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your goals for the rest of the season? You don't need to name specific lines, as I know people don't like to pre-spray, but um, just a little bit about the direction you want to go. Yeah, I mean, um, a big part of uh, why I approached you for the training um, was, I mean, I have a friend who's been pushing me to train systematically. I've never done that before. Um, and uh, I just like, I guess you have these weather windows, you know, you have three, four day weather windows. And if you do big days, like I'm normally really beat by day two or three. 
Um, and my ambition now would be to go up and like just ski it all as long as there's sunlight, like not have your physique hold you back. Like I have one day that I really want to do, which like up to a glacier plateau, which is a thousand meters, 10 kilometers in that's 3000 feet for you guys who are not on the metric system and uh, a bunch of miles <laughs> and then climb, you know, like three lines, 600 meter lines uh, from there. And then go finish off a North Face like in the in the evening uh, after like that would be the dream, you know, to like not be held back by by my body, essentially, when it's good, because as any skier knows, like the good snow and the safe snow with the good light, it's so rare during a winter. And then if you're not able to yeah, maximize your time out there when you have the conditions that that always feels feels bad so that's been like yeah i guess that's the dream and the goal to be able to really really get after it when it's when it's good mm -hmm. yeah for sure and and that's what we're training towards and you know i've talked to nikolai about this too since he has a strong base uh in fitness already growing up you did some nordic skiing so might not take him as long to get to to that kind of bigger days, lots of energy goals, but in general, training does take time. So we're hoping to put in a good spring here and then um, a good summer because we always say um, winter athletes are built in the summer. We were just discussing about how in competition season, it's really just uh, big days recovery, big days recovery, or if you're a racer, race paper recovery. And then the real building happens kind of in the off season. So looking forward to more of that and also looking forward to seeing how some of your earlier training and now pays off in the spring with some objectives. Once we paper you, convince you to rest for, for a big adventure, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Well, yeah. yeah and um you said that you're headed back to Norway now for some, some skiing. You want to tell us a tiny bit about that before we head up? Yeah. My next trip is actually to the, we call it the Northwest coast, but it's kind of like the West side of the chunky bit of Norway, like the down where the, we call it the guitar of Norway where the, the, the body is. And uh, there's a bunch of mountains there that I, I've just kind of been in the area, but never really, got to dedicate like a, a good amount of time to to ski there and they have some amazing lines um it's called Sunmara and there's fjords and peaks and it's uh it's just beautiful so I'm gonna yeah spend a few weeks there and see see what we can do yeah oh that sounds amazing for sure and uh, one question came to mind because I I'm living in Canada and I know lots of North Americans Norway is on their bucket list for skiing, where would you suggest uh, as a as a good starting place for people if they wanted to ski in Norway? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I, I'm kind of partial to northern Norway, where I'm from. Uh, I think it's pretty special because you have the winter like all the way down to sea level, pretty much through through winter. Um, and I would say you have the best mountains in the world. Uh, the Lingen Alps is uh, it's like in Alaska, but everything is like really close to the road, and you can basically do everything in a day day mm -hmm. um which is really special uh it's kind of dangerous though lots of uh sketchy snow so if you're mm -hmm. more into smaller ski tours less dangerous uh snowpack i would go to lofoten which is just insanely beautiful and a lot of like 
bite-sized mountains, I'd say. Pretty much everything's below 1,000 meters. And you're starting from sea level again. So you just have, yeah, it's, it's essentially just like a, a, a an archipel archipelago of, of mountains that just come straight out of the sea and you can yeah, access everything and it's beautiful. Nice. And would you say the best season there is kind of um, March, April, like spring or? Yeah, March, April is uh, the way to go. If you're if you're aiming for like uh, winter, a winter snowpack, do March. Uh, March, April in Lingen, you get a winter snowpack till May, pretty much. But uh, in, in Lofoten, if you want winter conditions, go in March. And then April is more uh, slush. Yeah, okay. Now that sounds good. Well, I'm sure lots of people will be interested in that info. Hopefully they don't flood you with tourists, but... <laughs> I'm sure you didn't give out too many secrets. People know about those places. Oh, we have room in our mountains. There's, uh, it's not crowded yet. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Nikolai. And um, let's do this again in, in a month or so and check back in with your training. Yeah, for sure. I'll um, I'll make sure to rest. You sounds good. And, uh, yeah, let's catch up. Uh, but it sounds good. All right. Thank you. Have a good Thank day. Thank you.